It's a blessing to be here this morning. As many of you guys know, my name is Shelby Sparks, and I am actually the worship leader here, and it's been a blessing and honor to be able to lead you guys each morning into the presence of God. So I'm be completely honest, though, um, as I get up here this morning and I look out, I'm completely nervous, all right? And not only am I nervous, but I thought I'd just pick up the guitar and I'd play and sing my whole sermon, because that's what I'm good at. I love to play. I love to worship. So I'm just going to sing my whole sermon this morning. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally, totally kidding. Why you guys go ahead and bow your heads and praise me this morning? Father, we just give you the glory. Let us come into the, your presence this morning. Let your spirit fall upon us. Let us hear your word this morning. Father, let your words would be my words this morning and that I would step out of the way so you could use me. Father, allow us to, to understand what James is saying this morning, to take it to heart, to let it resonate with us as we leave this place, this place of worship, Father. We give thanks to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So when I was growing up, I've always loved music. In fact, my music teacher used to call my family the Von Trapp family. family. If any of you guys know who that is. Anyway, so we would would jam in the car on road trips. That's what we loved to do. And it's weird because my dad loved rock and roll, a lot of 80s rock. And my mom, she liked hip-hop and Christian, all this other different music. And so when we all got in the car together, somehow we settled on country music. No idea how that happened. So I grew up listening to country music, and I'm talking about good country music. I'm talking about Alan Jackson, Alabama, Shania Twain. I mean, all of these different country music artists. And so that's what I grew up listening to, and we'd always sing in the car together. In fact, we would get so loud, and we'd be jamming. My parents would sometimes tell us to quiet down because we'd be we'd be yelling the words. It wasn't singing anymore. Anyway, some of this one song comes up, and... We're singing, and a cuss word comes right over the radio. And as a kid, I just ride on through it, just sing it, just let it fly out of my mouth. And, you know, I pause, and I think, I really hope my parents didn't hear me. And everybody just keeps singing, and so I'm like, you know, I'm just going to continue singing. So we get done with vacation, and we get home, and a couple days later, my parents are sitting on the couch, and they ask me to bring them the dish soap. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Like... What do you need the dish soap? You're sitting on the couch. And one, can you not have gone up and gone and get it? Like, you're right there. So I get the dish soap, and I bring it to them. And my mom tells me to stick out my tongue and puts a little dab of soap on my tongue. Of course, as a kid, I freak out like I ate a pound of soap or something. Um, so she puts that soap on my tongue, and I'm like, what the heck was that for? You know, I'm, I'm freaking out. And my dad's like, don't think we didn't hear you cuss when you were singing that song in the car. He said, in fact, you could have said a whole different word. Instead of saying the A word, you could have said bottom or butt. And so, all this to say, they taught me this lesson that has stuck with me all of my life. And it's the idea, if you have nothing nice to say, then don't say it at all. And that has stuck with me for, the, for my whole life, and it still sticks with me. You see, well, we've been in this series in James all about expectations. Everything we've heard Landon speak has been about expectations that James has for the body of Christ, for us. And I think James spends a whole chapter on the same idea that if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. James 3, 1 through 12, he talks about this idea of taming the tongue. You see, but what does James really mean when he tells us to tame the tongue? Does he mean don't cuss? Does he mean if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it? What is James really telling us? 
You see, jot this down. I think what James is telling us is simply this, to build up the body of Christ and to not break it down. So let's dive into James 3 this morning and really explore that idea. So if you have your Bibles, would you open it to James 3, 1, and we're going to read James 3, 1 through 12. And if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen for you guys. James 3, 1 reads, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body and setting on fire the entire course of life. And set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? And can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You see, as I read James 3 over and over again, I just wasn't getting what he meant by tame the tongue. Right? So, so many years I grew up and I thought, tame the tongue, just don't say anything bad. Right? But what if it's more than that? James is telling us to build up the body of Christ and not break it down. And so let's dive right into this idea. So in James 3, 3 through 5, he gets, hits this whole idea of small things control large objects. In fact, he starts with the horse. And contrary to popular belief, when I was little, I took riding lessons. I just, I don't know how, but my mom told me I did. So I believe her. So I took riding lessons, but today... Whenever I go to my fiance's house, their parents are like, we're going to get you on a horse this week. And I tell them, nope, I'm deathly afraid of those things. They're huge. They're massive creatures. And I, I, I just can't get myself on a horse. In fact, I always tell them I'd rather swim with sharks. And that's true. I love sharks. But the, the thing is, James tells us that these big, massive, beautiful creatures can be tamed by putting a bit into its mouth. You can control this massive creature. If you put a bit into its mouth. And he goes on and talks about ships. Guys, we're no stranger to big ships. A lot of us go on cruises during the summer. In fact, in biblical times, they weren't stranger to big ships either. But these huge, massive ships are controlled by a small rudder. That's, been, that's crazy to me. But he doesn't stop there. He says, no, this tongue is small and boasts of great things. So jot this down. The tongue is small, but it's powerful. Tongue is small, but powerful. See, what do I mean by that? I mean the tongue, it's prideful, it slanders, it gossips. That all comes out of your mouth. And James tells us, we can't do that. We can't do that. In fact, he goes on and says, the tongue is so bad, it's a fire. So jot that down next. The tongue is a fire. We're no stranger to fires. In fact, if you look on the news right now, you see that California and Arizona are both on fire right now. And not in a good way, okay? 
These states are literally burning. Communities have been evacuated. Houses are burning. People's fields are burning. People's livestock are burning. And that's what James compares our our tongue to. This idea of a fire. In fact, he says our words spread like a fire. I read this story of a pastor who coordinated with this other pastor and sat outside a 10,000-person church, dressed up as a homeless man. And he sat outside this church, and he begged for money, and he begged for a place to stay, food, clothing. Nobody from that 10,000-person church gave him anything. And then he enters the church, goes to the front, and proceeds to worship our God. And all you hear in the back is gossip, just people speaking about this homeless man who's actually a pastor, is sitting in the front praising Jesus. In fact, it got so bad that one of the elders of the church asked the homeless man to move back to the back of the church because he's distracting. That is what fire is that James is talking about. This gossip that's breaking down the body of Christ, the very body of Christ. This man comes in to praise the Lord, and yet all you hear is people talking about him. So the pastor of the church gets up to do his sermon, and this is what he says. He says, the man that you guys asked to move to the back that you were gossiping about, you were slandering about, was actually a pastor. Church is dismissed. That was it. This is whole sermon. People got to go home and think about what just happened. Guys, I see it today, too. I see it in my community. I've seen it everywhere. We get this idea that somebody is different than we are, and so we gossip and we slander, and we're hostile towards them, and that is what James is telling us we can't do. The breaking down of the body of Christ. That's what that is. James says, no, that's what we shouldn't do. In fact, we should be building up the body of Christ. After all, we are all made in his image. See, but James doesn't stop there. He goes on to talk about animals and creatures and how we have tamed them in James 3, 7 through 8. He talks about how we can tame all these animals, but we can't even tame our own tongue. In fact, we can understand this because in Genesis, God says we have dominion over the birds, over the sea creatures, and everything. He tells man we have dominion over them. We have rule and reign over these animals. But James says we can't even tame our own tongue. I think James has to be laughing when he writes this. I mean, think about it. They grew up with these massive creatures, and he's got to be sitting there, man, we can tame this one, we can tame this one, and we can't tame our tongue. It's got to be, that's a crazy idea. But it's so true. But I, you got to be thinking, though, what's the point of this message if James literally tells us we can't even tame our tongue? Like, we can't tame our tongue, pastor, so just let us out. You see, this goes back to James 3, 3, 2, though. He says, we all stumble. That's what James means when he says we can't tame our tongue because we are going to stumble. In fact, look at James. Look at his life. He stumbled. James, the own, the, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, didn't even believe that Jesus was the Christ until after Jesus died, rose from the grave, and showed himself to James. If that's not a stumble, I don't know what it is. And so James tells us, we're going to stumble. So I'm not telling you right now that you're going to be perfect. But James has an expectation that we're going to work at this. 
that we're going to try and tame the tongue, that we're going to build up the body of Christ and not break it down. In fact, he goes on, he says, the tongue is a restless evil and it never sleeps. So I plead with you this morning that we always have to be on guard thinking about what we're going to say when we're talking to somebody or when we're talking about somebody. Is it actively building up the body of Christ or is it actively breaking it down? Be on guard. And James goes on and he says, look, yeah, the tongue is small, but powerful. The tongue is a fire, but the tongue is also poison. So jot that down. The tongue is poison. You know, as a kid, we went camping a lot. Well, not a lot because I have allergies, so wasn't that much. But when we did go camping, one of the things my parents always warned me about was poison ivy. Or snake bites, right? So stay away from snakes. Stay away from poison ivy. You know, no matter what you did, you always got into poison ivy. The thing is, when you got poison ivy, they told you to stop itching it because it's going to spread. That's what poison does. It spreads, just like a fire does. It spreads. As I work as an EMT, as well as a worship leader, and I've been on calls where people have tried to commit suicide, or people have committed suicide, and they always leave in their note, or when, they talk, when you talk to them, they say, somebody has done something to them. And that's exactly what James means when he says the tongue is like poison. Because poison eats at you. And you know what I mean, because you've been hurt before. In fact, you've been hurt so bad that you struggle with that hurt. And you, forgive, you forget how to forgive somebody. And James says that can eat at you. Because the tongue is like poison. In fact, you get out of church and you go home throughout the week and it's so easy when somebody approaches you and they're angry at you and they're hostile toward you for you to do the same thing. For you just to flip that switch and say, you know what? Forget about building up the body of Christ. This person's about to get my wrath. That's what, and James says, that's not what can't be, you guys. The tongue is like poison and it affects people. So we've got to build up the body of Christ and not break it down. This is my favorite part of James 3, and it's verses 9 and 10. As we come to church and we praise the Lord, right? We come in here and we praise and we worship Him. We get led into the presence of God every morning by the worship band, and then we hear Pastor Landon preach this message. He says, but then... With that same mouth that we praise the Lord, we curse the very creation that he made. Isn't that crazy? We come in here and we praise such an awesome God, and then we curse the very creation that he made. You see, if you look around this room right now, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet James says that we curse each other, and we break each other down. He says these things ought not to be so. And don't get me wrong, I'm at fault of this too. In fact, what I find hard is when I go home after church and I get on the interstate and somebody cuts you off. Man, does that frustrate me. You know, and I've heard people honking and cussing at people and flipping people off when this happens. 
Guys, that's breaking down the body of Christ as well. Because all of you are the body of Christ. And I'm not just talking about you guys as believers or, or non-believers, but I'm talking about every human being. Because God said in Genesis, let us make them in our image. We are all made in God's image. And because of that, James tells us, we got to stop breaking each other down. No matter the difference, no matter the color of skin, no matter what you're like, no matter how weird you are, it doesn't matter. James says, let's build them up and not break them down. So he goes on and he finishes his sermon with two inconsistencies. And he says, a fig tree cannot bear olives and a spring cannot pour forth both fresh and salt water. Guys, you ever been to the ocean with salt water? Because I don't know if you've ever swallowed it, but it doesn't taste like fresh water. It just doesn't. Because you can't have both. It's not possible. It's not possible. In fact, I've been to Jerusalem and I've seen a fig tree. And I was trying to bring a fig tree branch home, but in customs, they wouldn't allow that. Point being, the fig tree did not bear olives. It didn't bear olives. And James is telling us this because of one reason. Because we cannot build and break the body of Christ at the same time. You see, you have to make a choice. If you're going to claim that Christ is crucified and he rules over your life, then you can't curse the very creation that he made. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy because he says we're going to stumble. But I'm saying that's what we have to try and do. To tame this beast that's in our mouth. Guys, if you cut your tongue out, there's no sound coming. Ah, that's it. Right? But James is saying we've got to get a hold of this tongue and we've got to control it. No more breaking down the body of Christ. Guys, listen to this. Do not be a spiritual arsonist, lighting careless fires that cause widespread destruction to the body of Christ. Repeat that one more time. Do not be a spiritual arsonist, lighting careless fires that cause widespread destruction to the body of Christ. What I mean by that is don't let your tongue run rampant. Because when your tongue does that, it's breaking down the body of Christ. In fact, you know people that lie and they continue to lie and they become a compulsive liar. That's that same poison that James talks about just a couple verses ago. It controls you. And we have to combat that and make a change. You see, guys, but I think James says all this And it's great that he's talking about the tongue, but as I look at this passage, I think he means something more. And what I think James really means is all of this stems from the overflow of the heart. Because when your heart is wrong, and when your heart is angry, then what comes out of your mouth? Take take yourself back to one of those moments when you're angry and you go into a meeting. Does anything good come out of that? Because it's the overflow of the heart. You see, when our hearts are right and our hearts are right with God 
and we're loving people and we're loving God, then out of our mouth comes love and blessing. And that's what James wants for our lives. But so what? All of this, James tells us we can't even tame the tongue, so what's the point? You see, I'm going to give you three steps, though, that I think can help you learn how to start building up the body of Christ and to not break it down anymore. First and foremost, you have to listen. A couple weeks ago, we, we saw James, or we listened to James 1 as Landon preached it. And one of the big things in James 1 that everybody talks about is be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What if we did that? Would that be radical change in our lives? What if somebody would come at you angry and hostile and you were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? What if that happened? Would that not change that interaction between you two? And then, what about the second step? Jot this down. What if you loved them? So love. Listen. Love is the second step. God tells us the greatest second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's probably the hardest thing to do. Because there are people in your life that you don't want to love. You're thinking, man, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know all the trials and stuff I've had to face. What this person and that person did to me. God says, look, I don't care. Because look what I did for you. I sent my son down on the cross to die for you so that you could have life and so that you can be saved. And you can't even love my creation? Man, that's tough. Because there are people in my life that I don't want to love, but God says, love them anyway. Love them anyway. So that's the second step. And finally, you have to let God. That's the third step. Jot this down. Let God. What I mean by that, you have to let God work in your life. When you do stumble, you have to ask God for forgiveness. But first and foremost, you need to ask God to help you tame the tongue, to help you be transformed. Because he has the power to break those chains. The chains of sin. And he has the power to help you control the tongue. Let God. And I really take James 3 to heart because of what my parents taught me when I was little. If you have nothing nice to say, don't say it. But take that a step further, guys, and listen. James tells us to build up the body of Christ and to no longer break it down. When you look around this room and you look at each other, you got to think, that's my brother and that's my sister in Christ. And because of that, I'm going to build them up and no longer tear them down. And so James teaches us all of this to truly make one point. Christ died for you and wants a relationship with you. In fact, he tells us that we need to be like the image of Christ. And I tell you what, you can't do that when you're breaking down the body of Christ. Because Jesus loved everyone. You understand that? He loved everyone. In fact, he loved everyone so much, he took the penalty of our sin. Not his sin. 
He was blameless. He took the penalty of our sin and died on the cross. And because of that, he wants a relationship with you. And James gives us a great way that we can grow in this relationship. He says, build up the body of Christ. Build it up and don't break it down. And when we do this, we can grow to have a different spiritual maturity and we can grow to be more like the image of Christ. So I'm pleading with you, as you go home this week, pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to yourself. Look at those moments you talk to somebody and think, am I building up the body of Christ right now? And if I'm not, what can I do differently? Got to listen. I have to love. I have to let God. So build up the body of Christ and don't break it down. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we give thanks to you this morning for your presence, for your love, that you want a relationship with us. We give thanks that James has told us that we need to get a hold of our tongue, to tame our tongue, and that he's really told us that we need to build each other up because this is your creation, not ours. We're made to worship you, to give thanks to you. So, Father, this morning we do give thanks. We love you. We want to serve you. Father, we thank you for your word, your presence, your grace. You're such scandalous grace. This grace that that we just can't understand because you love us even though we sin, even though we stumble, as James says. You still love us. So, Father, let us go out of this place and continue to build up the body of Christ and no longer break it down. So, Father, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good job, Shelby. Thank you for sharing that. I remember the first time I preached. It was like eight minutes long. It was horrible. It was so bad. That was really good. I uh, appreciated what he said. Don't be a spiritual arsonist. Man, that's really good. Y'all need to tweet that. Somebody put that on Facebook. Be careful with your words that you're not lighting unnecessary fires in people's lives. The Bible talks about outdo one another showing honor. Like that should be a spiritual game that you're trying to play to outdo each other in showing honor.